Over the past five years that I have been recording these, I can remember many, many times over the years actually making the statement that one of the most powerful benefits of practicing mindfulness is that it allows us to actually begin to have a more expansive view and a deeper perspective uh, in terms of dealing with the things that in our lives that sometimes, and I don't want to make an assumption that anyone is, is thinking this, uh, but what I want to say is that I know in my own life journey, there has been many, many times where things have felt like an emergency. Things have felt really, really critical. And I had someone who I, whom I respect very much, who one time uh, mentioned to me several years ago that uh, much of the emotional uh, duress that I put myself under and most of the, uh, uh, the suffering, the needless suffering that I cause for myself is because of the fact that I have not always been able to recognize the difference between a problem and an inconvenience. And I really do feel like that is something that really speaks to me because so many times in my life, things have really felt like a problem. Sometimes it has felt like an emergency. Sometimes it's felt, I would say that, you know, using this in the, uh, the figurative sense, sometimes, sometimes things have felt like they're life or death. But I know at the end of the day that in almost over, you know, well over 90% of cases in my own life, that that has really not been the case. And one of the things that I would say about this is that, uh, and this is just coming from reflections about what I have been going through uh, the past week or two, I've been reflecting about how even though these things feel sometimes uh, much bigger than they actually are, I know that it's not up to me or for me to judge uh, whether something is a problem or inconvenience for anyone else, nor have I ever uh, concerned myself with that. But I have, you know, over the years have taught this practice to many people and have shared it with many people and had a lot of conversations with people who have practiced mindfulness. And that has been something that I, it is easy for me over the years to overlook that it is essentially, I've always felt that it's a practice and it is a practice. But what I didn't, what I sometimes lose sight of is that it is actually a practice about more effectively coping when I'm, and I say the word feel, but really what I want to say is that I'm not feeling that it's a problem. I'm not feeling that it's an emergency. I'm actually thinking that it's a problem and I'm thinking that it's an, an emergency. And this past weekend, I actually, for probably the first time in my life that I can think of, uh, actually faced a situation, not to go into all the details and only because of the fact that the details are really just what happened and that it's just the story. And what I'm really speaking of here is how I coped with that. And I'm also very free to admit that at times I did not cope with it. But what I do want to share is that this past weekend, uh, after uh, being rushed to the hospital for a very critical situation, uh, really had, I would say, my first real experience with a life or death situation. And uh, it's hard not to, uh, you know, without speaking about everything in detail, 
it is very, very difficult to, uh, to express the gravity of the situation. And thankfully, I'm incredibly grateful. And uh, I realize that there uh, are so many people to thank for uh, uh, that, that crisis being averted. And I appreciate there's so many people who made efforts uh, and I'm so incredibly grateful and so incredibly appreciative. And at the same time, I also realize that I am very open to there being things that uh, that bring about these kinds of resolutions that it, it's, it's beyond my ability as a human being to understand. But I realize that all I can really do is try to cooperate with the process. And what I mean by that is that I know that if I do my part, I can't really understand the deeper mysteries of the universe. There's no way for me to even speculate effectively about why things happen the way they do, or in some cases, why things that I wish would happen or hope would happen don't. And uh, I know that I can spend the rest of my life uh, coming up with theories about it. I can think about it. I can conjecture about it. I can speculate but what I'm finding is that I can truly say that the most important thing that actually got me through this particular, and I, I would use the word in this case, problem. I would use the, the word emergency. I would use the word crisis. And it certainly was from an, obje- from an objective standpoint. Uh, and in this case, what I found uh, so unbelievably interesting and so fruitful and so nourishing was that even though it was, you know, you, I, I could accurately use those words, critical, uh, emergency, life or, de- or the phrase life or death, that there was also at a different level of consciousness, there was just how I was actually coping with this no differently than I would, and I, and I realize these clearly, uh, this is a different situation than, let's say, for instance, someone hurting my feelings or me being embarrassed. And looking back, I was taking a few moments just to look back over the past five years of these weekly, uh, what I call notes from the journey. And it's so interesting to me how all of them have one thing in common. Uh, I spoke about uh, things that I experience in my, in my own life, whether it's in my personal life, in my business life, uh, in my relationships, uh, you know, whether friends, family, whatever the case may be, that those things at some point during that week, uh, with all everything that I've ever shared, that things sometimes did feel very critical and did feel, I wouldn't use the word emergency, but I definitely would feel like these are things that really caused me to, I don't want to say they caused me to, they were things that put into motion situations where I chose to cause myself needless suffering until I didn't anymore. And when I didn't anymore, it was only because of the fact that I continued to choose to practice mindfulness, to continue to pay attention to my mind, to continue to to avail myself of that different perspective, that what's referred to sometimes in meditation circles as uh, the witness, uh, being able to cultivate more headspace, just looking at this from a different vantage point when I'm not so wrapped up in something happening to me and it's not all about me, what I find is I'm not denying that these things are happening to me, but I can, I can begin to, to open up to 
the possibility that is it is not as bad as it is it is it seems to be or that I believe it to be. It is actually it's what's happening, and by the only place that I can really look and really get any sense of what is really happening is to uh, not only look at the what's referred to as the absolute reality. In other words, that's what it is actually happening regardless of my viewpoint or my take on it. And I've talked about that sometimes in terms of what I refer to as the split screen. When I talk about mindfulness, you have one screen that's showing a camera that's showing objectively what is actually happening in a given moment. And you can see that on one uh, monitor, uh, television monitor, and on the other one, you actually see it's filtered through the mind. I know in reality this is probably is not possible, but it's really the idea, and this is something that has just been a mental model for me to explain this to people, that what happens on those two different screens in many cases in my life has been different. And the only way that I've ever been able to synchronize what is occurring on those two screens is to recognize that on screen B, the one that's filtered through my mind and what I'm telling myself is happening and what I'm beginning, excuse me, what I'm beginning to believe is happening is actually in a lot of cases not what's really happening. It is uh, things that are being filtered through my previous emotional baggage, things that trigger me because of things that I have not resolved within my own emotional self within my own body uh, that just, you know, things that have happened in the past that I have not really brought to the forefront and taken a deeper look at. But at the same time, getting back to the greater point of this is that I have found that all of these years going back and, and even just looking at all the things that I just, and I'm just one human being, just one person that's on this journey. And there's so many of us And all of us have, you know, and I don't want to take a leap here and make any assumptions that we all have these kinds of things happening in our lives in one form or fashion in in some way. And that it is really, I know that I ultimately, the only way that I can, and I don't really want to use the word prepare, I know that in life sometimes there are things out of my control and that as much as I try, you know, hard to take care of myself, and try to make the best decisions I can and try to put myself, uh, you know, try to put myself in a situation where I'm not just looking at what's best for me, but what's best for those around me and to, to make the best choices that I can. There are still going to be things like what I experienced this past weekend that I can't control. And I know that even though I at some point during this uh, this ordeal, that's the word I would use as well. And uh, I've used that word before, and it's not been an emergency. It just felt like one. I thought it was one. But in this case, I, I really have the sense, and it's not even a belief. This is actually something that I know in my core. It's something that I can feel it. It, like it resonates. And that is that I, ultimately, while I did have moments during this uh, unfolding of what happened, that I, w- I was not able to cope. I absolutely positively was not coping. And I explored, the de- and not purposely, but there was an exploration that just happened that I explored the depths of what happens when a person does not cope at all and continues to go deeper and deeper into, I don't even really know what you would call it, but ultimately it's just, it, it is something that is basically continuing to not cope in a way where one can become emotionally shut down, 
where one cannot communicate any further, where one cannot have any objectivity whatsoever, and is just literally locked in a trance of fear. And I know sometimes with the prospect of losing our, you know, our consciousness, when I speak of this, I'm talking about the human consciousness, the ability to be aware and to be a sentient being, to be able to, uh, to be awake, so to speak, and to be aware of what's going on around us when we are in a position where we are losing that uh, and, or that's in danger and where our basic functioning is uh, in a place where it is very unpredictable. It is, it is very, very easy to, uh, to lose sight of how I can still cope in the best way that I can. It may not be the, uh, the, you know, the, the, uh, it may not be coping in an absolute sense. It just may be what it really was in this case was me doing the best that I could. And I wasn't trying to do anything. I wasn't trying to cope. Uh, I, I certainly wanted to be able to, but it was more of uh, what I found is that the, uh, the deeper I went into a place of fear and panic that the, the, this is what I refer to as the fruits of the practice. What ended up happening was I began to cope without even trying to cope because I had practiced coping by paying attention and being aware of what's going on in my mind. And I was aware of the fact that I was reacting, even in the moments where there were things happening that were very uncomfortable, incredibly unpleasant, that I had somehow, you know, it just became, it just, I became aware of this in these moments that I had practiced this. Somehow along the way, uh, while I realize uh, when, when one is struggling to stay conscious, so to speak, and staying awake and to be able to have one's faculties about them is actually, in a lot of cases, very, very different from standing in a room full of people uh, speaking about something and being incredibly embarrassed or having someone say something that made me feel embarrassed and feeling like my life was over and I wanted to just crawl into a hole and give up and run out of the room that these things, while they are different on the surface, what I did find was, or just someone hurting my feelings. And there again, they may not have been trying to hurt my feelings. I recognize that in some cases it was, it was not a hundred percent what they did. It was, there was a combination of, of factors. In other words, there's what someone, there's what someone did or said, and then there's how I reacted to it. So I want to take responsibility for my reactions uh, to anything that happens to me. And the more that I do that, I recognize that whatever happens to me, I'm not so caught up in there being a me for it to happen to. I'm not denying that, 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 that I'm an individual and that I'm a human being, but it's more about being uh, connected with everything that is going on around me and recognizing that somehow this is not all about me and that if I can let go of the need for it to be all about me in any given moment, the, and, and the easiest way for me to do that is to pay attention to that one thing that actually it constantly brings me back to a place. If I believe what's going on in my mind, I am going to find myself in a place where it is going to be all about me. And I know it's no fault of my own. It's just simply our brains are, are wired this way, uh, neurologically speaking, that, uh, that it's something that does whatever processing it does uh, because it's in my body. So clearly... All of this is going to be about me and, it, and, and learning and about the fact that it isn't all about me 
is it's been, I've known that intellectually for many years before I started practicing mindful mindfulness. I never really wanted to be a selfish person. Yes, sometimes that happened, but ultimately what I find, what I have discovered has been that being able to pay attention to uh, this stream of thoughts, <clears throat> this river of thoughts that had, that continues to flow that I can realize that this is just, it just happens to be happening in my head. And that if I, if I want to take responsibility for uh, looking at that through a different perspective, and it's, I don't know if I'd even use the word a detached perspective. I think in this case, it's just more of an open-minded perspective. And it's amazing that by opening my own mind and my own heart uh, in the, you know, very close to the place uh, where this is all happening. In other words, my brain, and I realize the mind is more than just the brain. You know, there's that feedback loop between the brain and the body that I can really be in a position to, uh, to actually be here and that I can be in a position to recognize that I don't have to believe everything that I'm thinking about what I'm feeling. And I can truly say that without having done this practice, I believe that I would have been in a much worse position uh, during uh, what I was going through this past weekend and what I've been dealing with for the past uh, almost year now uh, that there have been so many ups and downs. There's been so many of these situations where there's been two steps forward and one step back. Uh, there's been so many times where things looked like they were getting better only to find out that they weren't. And being able to cope was never a given for me. I spent the, the majority of my life, well over 90% of my life, not coping well. And uh, that looks different for everybody, I have found as well, as I've spoken to people about how they have not coped. And there again, this is not about judging anyone or myself or, you know, this is about really just objectively looking at what it is like to not cope with situations that we are, you know, right in the middle of. And it's all happening in the moment, just, you know, while we're in the, while we're, while we're in the middle of life, while it's all happening. And even though there were times and moments, you know, there was long periods of time that I was barely coping. I was barely hanging on. And I, there really wasn't a whole lot of reserve left for me to be able to keep rem even reminding myself, you know, hey, remember, pay attention to your mind. This is the reactions that are happening. And when I had those moments of clarity where I recognized, you know, wow, this is really this is really what's happening because I am, I'm this, I'm filtering this through what I think is happening, what I believe is happening. Uh, and I realize objectively when there is, you know, when we're experiencing pain as human beings, actual physical pain, yes, that is what's actually happening in, in any given moment uh, when it's happening. But I also realize that it is so much about, it's not just that. It, it would be easier, I think, in some cases if that's all it was, but it is all of my reactivity. It's all of what my mind is doing to resist that pain that is causing me so much more suffering. And it's suffering that I'm only choosing to cause for myself and I don't have to cause that for myself. And it is such a beautiful thing to recognize that it is, it is by far for me, and this is, I can't say this for anyone else, but undergoing this practice and sustaining this practice of continuing to come back to center, to come back home to myself, as I've heard one of my favorite meditation teachers refer to this, and just to continue to come back here and be present and to show up in my own discomfort 
and the discomfort of others, I realize that this this not only help, this practice not only helps me cope with my own discomfort, what is happening to me, but it also allows me to be there for others more effectively in a healthier and more healing and nourishing way if I can actually show up in my discomfort for other people. In other words, my discomfort with other people's discomfort. In this case, this past weekend, it was about, it, you know, what I was facing front and center was my own discomfort. But that's only really a point in time. I know there's been so many times in my life that it's, that has been so deeply unsettling and unnerving and frustrating and exhausting uh, and discouraging to be with the discomfort of others. And I think after experiencing what I did, I realize now that this practice not only allows me, it really allows me to show up for my own discomfort in the same way that I could actually do this for others. And I realize that 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 is only that's only true because of the fact that if I approach this practice that where I'm looking at my own thoughts objectively, then I'm not busy being the person that's having these thoughts and identifying with them. That it's really a gift that I can give not only myself but others because I've practiced having this particular perspective. You know, standing back and looking at this as a witness. This allows me to not get caught up in my own pain, in my own confusion, and in my own sometimes very misleading way of narrating to myself what is actually going on. And then I can recognize that when I see other people that are causing causing needless suffering for themselves. It's not up to me to give anybody advice, nor am I here to do that, uh, nor do I want to do that. But at the same time, I can I can recognize that if I'm with someone and they are suffering, you know, physically, <clears throat> truly suffering or emotionally suffering in any even in any way at all, that <clears throat> if I can at least have a sense or a perspective, a different perspective than what they're telling me is happening, I can actually silently without needing to tell them anything. It's not up to me to tell them what's happening. I know they don't even need me to tell them what's happening. But sometimes I can get caught up in the pain and suffering of others. And the more that I give this gift to myself of of engaging in this practice, the more that I can give it to others. And I really, really have begun to appreciate that I was able, the last thing I would say today is that I was able to be there for myself. As And the greatest gift I could give myself is being there for myself with that headspace, giving myself that gift of that headspace and that perspective, being able to stand just even if it's just a little bit outside of uh, looking at, at this from a different perspective, not being busy, you know, telling myself what it feels like to have this happen, but to actually see what's happening from the from a, from the uh, standpoint of a new, more of a neutral witness then it really, that's really what kind of were the breadcrumbs that allowed me to come back to coping. And I remember the distinct moment when there, there was that clarity and I began to recognize what I had been doing to myself. And this isn't about judging myself. I don't feel like I've passed or failed any test. It's just that I, I definitely made it a little more difficult on myself. And that's not even a judgment. It's just this is what ha- this is how I reacted. And I don't know if this happened again, that I would react any differently. But to me, what is important is no matter what happened before that moment of clarity, 
at some point, I finally got the clarity again. I finally got that perspective. And there's nothing that I could actively do to get it. There's nothing that I could try to do to bring that about. Uh, what, I, what I ultimately experienced was it happened on its own. It unfolded on its own. It appeared on its own only because I'm just a regular, everyday human being with no special gifts. Uh, I didn't come into this world or into this life with any special talents or gifts or anything that makes me unique. There was just a choice to undergo and, and to sustain this practice, to begin it and to continue it moment after moment in breath after breath.